This is Open Mic Life. Let's go! Welcome to this week's episode. We have a very special guest coming. this week's episode of Open Mic Life. Today, we're switching gears and diving into the world of art. Alvira Ferreira is a visual artist who works mostly in oil paint and collage. The themes she explores have to do with concepts of human interactions and interventions in specific time and space. She also creates strange worlds as intermediate impossibilities to get new possibilities. She's speaking about how we live, how we could live, and the unforeseen things in life. How the ordinary and the extraordinary interact, and how, in fact, there are no unimportant things in life. Before we get started, I know that Hike is also quite a fan of art, so let's see what he has to say on today's topic. Without further ado... Hike! On the mic! Hi, Hike! Hello, hello! Good morning! Good morning. This is the morning. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. Actually, I have a bit of back pain. I don't know what it is. Maybe I slept wrong, but... No, I think it's the weight of being an interviewer. Officially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true that. Well, that's not a lot of weight. It's actually more... Uh, it, it, it lifted me up. It's more like arms that are like pulling me to the sky so I want to start by congratulating you on your first interview on open mic life yeah how was it did you like it I liked it I think it really embraces the spirit of the podcast the conversation is great you could really tell that it's an open conversation between two as you said friends and yeah. I think it's so cool to hear from people who have such nice palette of experiences and who most of all were not afraid to take chances. Because to be honest, mm -hmm. to switch from medicine to consulting yeah. <laughs> is a very Investments, big yeah. investment. Yeah. So yeah. super cool. But the beauty was also that, that we were able to show how Although it was a different field of expertise, it was still within the same field of industry, which was yeah. obviously investing in medicine, investing in health tech. And uh, yeah. To me, this is one of the things that define an entrepreneur, that you can see the link between things and uh, really make it come to life. I've, these are the type of jobs that I always wondered are you entrepreneurial if you're working with entrepreneurs in the sense that like as an investor you're investing in startups you are in daily contact with the entrepreneur with the founder of a startup and me myself you know obviously i haven't really like set something off the ground like my own business although i do some freelancing um you know this is also where do you really have the the, the, the threshold of being an entrepreneur and what is entrepreneurial. You obviously read that everywhere. Yeah, yeah we want like entrepreneurial people. Uh, but but what, what, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah, um, definitely. So, so in a way, I think it resembles the adventure of, some, of someone that 
is trying to monetize his or her um, talents. Talents, indeed, yeah, talents and and things they just like to do, and and yeah, I think that's that's kind of that's a, a way to define entrepreneurship. Definitely. Yeah. Let's not give away too much for our listeners who have not listened to it. Go yeah. to listen to our previous episode on venture capital with Haika's interviewer and enjoy the podcast. Yeah. Speaking of palettes, today mm -hmm. we have a new guest. All right. Why is it speaking about palettes? Because <laughs> I'm super happy to be welcoming Elvira Ferreira. She is a visual artist from mm -hmm. Cape Town, South Africa, and she has relocated to Luxembourg, which is how I know her. And she yep. mostly works on oil paint and collage. And today she's going to come on the podcast and open mic life and tell us about her life as an artist and the different things that enable her to be doing this work internationally. And I'm just very excited to be talking to somebody who is so out of uh, the industries that we work in and to be mm. interviewing somebody from that perspective. Yeah. And can you make a living? Obviously, that's also something, right? Parents usually don't, uh, um, they don't really endorse you to go into into arts, at least not mine. They're more, much more traditional, you know, obviously uh, the type of uh, lawyer, doctor, engineer uh, focused, uh, whilst they are none of that. that. Yeah. Well, my, my dad has a background in, in engineering, but, it, you know, like it's um, it's it's funny to to have these non-conventional um, professions. I wouldn't even call it jobs because it's it's maybe more of an entrepreneurial thing right to to monetize your yeah. your passion and i exactly. i believe if you're an artist a visual artist to find the yeah. way to make a living from your passion yeah i'm very excited and i want to talk to her about uh, the different aspects of her career and literally how she makes it work and i think we haven't shared that but i know that you paint a bit and i also paint so yeah. i think this is a passion uh, of both of us, so to be nice to talk to her. Well, paint it's it's been it's been a long time since I painted. So you 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 take her class, right? Exactly. That's how I know her. Before uh, yeah. the before the holidays, I had enrolled in an oil painting class to refine mm -hmm. some techniques to learn new things, and it's something I do once a week. And I met her there, and just by the way that. No. She speaks about what she does and she teaches and mentorship mm -hmm. being a big part of the podcast. I invited her yeah. and she graciously accepted. That's amazing. I'm reading here that the themes she explores have to do with concepts of human interaction and intervention in specific times and space. Well, the, the, obviously, this sounds very artsy to me, right? Uh, I'm, I'm very much curious, actually, about her because she makes also um, digital uh, art and I'm, I'm very much curious about her um, you know her perspective since we we're, we've been touching upon the topic of AI art because this stuff is going on all the time and basically my question to her would be would she see AI more as the artist or would she see AI more as the brushes and the canvas and perhaps even the technique that is applied to put put some some art? Um, 
I think that's an interesting um, topic to touch upon. Uh, something else besides her own art. I also read that she does restorations. Do you know anything about that? Because I can't really see examples, but like, has she worked on a Picasso? Haha. <laughs> I'll ask her. I don't know if she has worked on a Picasso, but this is indeed one of the things I want to talk to her about because to me, restoration is something I've always been mesmerized about. It must be so gratifying to be restoring pieces from eras to studied and mm. uh, so interesting because you really touch the technique that you have studied and you, I'm sure you adopted and in a way. But mm -hmm. it can also not be that you don't give a little bit of your technique to this masterpiece. So, yeah, leave your own mark, exactly. right? Like <laughs> somewhere write your name on the Mona Lisa or something. <laughs> I would love to oh do that. Oh my God, did you see what happened with the Mona Lisa the other day? Uh, yeah, they threw some, some, soup. some, what was it? Like lentil soup on it or something I don't know like that. I also love our platform because we can say whatever we want to. I don't mm -hmm. support any of these mm -hmm. um, painting, throwing soup on them. If somebody is trying to create awareness about such an important topic by trying to destroy art, to me, this is such disrespect. You're making your cause of protecting the climate diminish by using these tools. Yeah, I agree. Do you have a favorite painting? Yes, I would say, and I have it funny enough. I have it on my, uh, on my LinkedIn background. And one of my colleagues once asked me, Hey, hike, are you religious? Uh, and I was like, what, why? He's like, yeah, because your LinkedIn background picture. So this depicts old philosophers and teachers. It's the school of Athens by Raphael. Very good. That's one of my favorite paintings from that era. It's, it's, I think, painted somewhere at like 1500, 1510, something like that. And it basically shows all the classical and ancient teachers like um, Aristoteles, uh, Plato, Pythagora, Pythagoras, you know, the ancient Greek ones. Yeah. Where, uh, but they're not limited to philosophy or statesmanship. It's, yeah. it's also mathematics. It's also rhetoric. It's, 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 it's a lot of different disciplines, which is not just being a painter or being a sculptor, but also being an engineer, an architect, being a, a poet, being a historian. What about you? My favorite painting that I fell in love with when I came to the Netherlands is The Girl with the Pearl Earring by uh, oh, Johannes yeah. Vermeer. Vermeer. Exactly. Yeah. I love it so much. It's one of the first times that I have had butterflies from seeing a mm. painting, from literally feeling like I interact with it. And after that, I read the book in three different languages just to make mm. sure that I grasp everything about the story. Um, yeah. I love it so much. And I love that it's in uh, a city that I really loved and hate in Marit's house. So mm -hmm. with sharing these stories from our side, I would suggest yeah. to let Elvira share a little bit about her story. Let's go. Hi, Elvira. Welcome to Open Mic Life. 
Hi, Tiana. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Very nice. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm uh, like in my creative element here in my home and at work. So that's what more can you ask for? Exactly. Very, very nice. We I can see we have some sun, uh, at least in this yes. part of Luxembourg. So that's on the occasion of us recording an episode together, I would say. <laughs> A good sign. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So to start off, can you tell me and our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you come from, and what you do? Okay, so um, I am an artist from South Africa. Uh, I was born there. My accent isn't completely South African because I grew up in the States partly uh, off, uh, from the age of six to about 10. So I, and that really influenced me a lot in terms of how I speak and how I think about the world. Um, and uh, I studied art at the University of South Africa uh, and really found my creative niche or found a community for myself when I uh, moved to Cape Town in South Africa. It's like a very cosmopolitan, creative city. Um, and before moving here, that's where I lived for about six years. And then um, I met my now husband in in Cape Town and um, moved here at, in September 2022. Then I was looking for work uh, in the creative sector, which was non-existent <laughs> uh, as far as I looking for it on job sites went. I just started sending out cold emails to places where I thought I would love to work. Um, that way I found art space and um, it's since then, I've just been teaching art classes there, and and uh, I do that part time. And the rest of the time, I either do commissions or I work on my own body of work. And can you say a little bit about uh, what kind of art you make? Yes, of course. I am a painter primarily. Uh, I'm open to doing other techniques like multimedia collage in, along with my painting but I think painting uh, is the my main objective with my art very nice very nice o oil painting specifically oil painting and yeah. I did touch upon with Hag before that that I know you because I'm taking your oil painting course and I want to yeah. tell you I did not <laughs> invite you here just to tell everybody what great painter I am <laughs> No, but you, you're you're good. I mean, we've done um, how many lessons? Two, one or two lessons? Two, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tomorrow it's we see each other again. Well. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited. And it's super nice to hear about the background that you have because uh, this is one of the things we're trying to achieve with the podcast to help people understand the path that you need to take in order to get somewhere. Yeah, I mean, and, and even in my, <laughs> what I've told you now, I, I've left out like, some of you know, I've had I have to work. Usually, I've had to work part time in some other field, you know, just to be an to be an artist. And um, it's it's never like a straight path, I think, with art. <laughs> I understand. And to go a little bit again uh, back in history, when did you decide to be an artist? How did this come to be? Um, I I kind of feel like it's I it's hard to remember, but. Um, at school, I was really good at art. And then it's probably good to mention that I have a, a, a tw identical twin sister. And we were both interested in, in the arts. 
and we're kind of saying I would maybe do something like pattern design or architecture and she would go into maybe fashion or architecture we were kind of like debating like what creative field exactly to go into and then eventually thought well art just plain art would be fine art would be a good place to start and then you can differentiate from there because there's so much cross-pollination in all these fields anyway uh, and then just fell in love with just being an artist you know just creating that pure not and I do like utilitarian art as well but there's something about I do feel like a painting is utilitarian even though some people might think of it as oh it's just a painting it's just aesthetic but we need beauty we need images and it's how we remember the past you know so um I think it's highly valuable just to be a painter that sounds wonderful and it also yeah. tells a lot about how you see the world as an artist and as a person which is very nice yeah. and you said you were really good at school in art uh, yes. we have listeners from all age groups some are people who are trying to find out what they want to do some yeah. are parents some are people who are furthering their career and they're looking for a switch or they're just sure. interested in what somebody else is doing and um for the ones who are interested in becoming an artist when you tell your parents listen it's uh, and especially in times like this i want to be a painter yeah it's uh, don't you think that sometimes they would receive like a fight back in terms of how about an accountant <laughs> Um, I, I do think my parents were a bit more of an idealistic, you, you know, so they were happy for us to do art. Maybe they were a bit of conventional, like, oh, you know, eventually you'll get married and then you can just like stay at home and paint while your husband goes out and works, which like, you know, it didn't work, doesn't work that way. You know, it's like I had to fend for myself, you know, I had to find a part time job. So it's not like I'm saying it's a solution for everything it's it's a hard it is really hard to make it in in art um but you you if you're committed to being creative you will find a way even if it is part-time and that's there's no nothing wrong with that right um or even if it's a hobby on the side for to be a complete human being it is a good idea mm -hmm. to to be to to pursue it and, and grow in it yeah. um um, yeah, it would have been easier to to maybe even do something uh, um, like accounting. Definitely would have been maybe an easier life, but it definitely would not be as interesting. <laughs> yeah, I understand completely. I understand. And it's wonderful to hear that because people sometimes need that encouragement from somebody who is yeah. doing it. Because yeah. in the times that we live in, to monetize something you're passionate about, uh, as you said, it's not always a straight path, but it's definitely yeah. worthwhile. Yes. And, you know, I'm in a very privileged situation now where I do have my job, which is still in the creative sector, which is great. I grow as an artist from teaching art. And then I am able to, the rest of the time, pursue my own art. So now I've gotten to a place where I have more equilibrium in terms of art um, and but and it and it also requires lots of applying to art galleries and sending in proposals or or uh, writing um, 
your thesis for why you're doing your art. So, you, so there are all these extra things that need to happen, um, but you need to create first and then you can go to those things. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's good to have like a little bit of a list of what needs to happen. But then uh, the first step is just to start creating. Yeah. Just start doing what you're actually passionate about and then figure exactly. it out. Where do you draw is- inspiration from? My art usually has something to do with like the human connection between people. Uh, I feel like I, I really love seeing the unmasked moments of people's lives like not the point where they're like posing you know I, I kind of like to capture little moments that aren't um, interesting for most but finding that something in in a gesture that's just like ooh, what's happening there mm-hmm. um, so I usually I, I prefer to paint figures that's my my favorite thing and uh, throughout my um, life, I, if I'm ever in a situation with other people, I'm usually taking photos. I'm like constantly just recording. Like when I need to start painting, I have images ready. Mm-hmm. You also do some restoration of art. And yes, to me, this is something that has been always really mesmerizing because I cannot even begin to think how you feel when you can uh, restore pieces of painters that perhaps you look up to that you uh, have drawn inspiration from so um, how did that come to be and did you need another education for that was this something you were always interested in so um, back in South Africa um, my husband's father has this huge house with a lot of art and they run it as like this boutique hotel and it was um uh, COVID and I was uh, newly out of art students to come to my <laughs> studio to to uh, have lessons mm-hmm. and um, this huge painting with a like this very intricate frame fell because the like 100 year old string at the back snapped <laughs> you know and uh, it, it just kind of went from there he was my first client and he has had so much art I was never out of work when I got here to Luxembourg I had uh, one or two pieces that I did here as well Um, at this point I'm focusing more on my 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 own work and teaching yes that's really really interesting and also to hear how something that is a bit unfortunate you know a picture uh, like a string snapping and yeah. destroying a picture falling brought you, <laughs> falling yeah brought you to Such an this... opportunity yeah. yeah yeah exactly uh, but, and, but you know like uh, when you get a piece that you're about to restore there's a moment of absolute terror because you know it's a big responsibility and if you do it wrong you know, you, so, I mean, luckily I am confident in the fact that I can match color exactly um, and um, basically do any style that needs to be done. But I do have my my skills. I know I can draw. I know I can color match. I know I can copy the style that needs to be copied. So once you know that, you can, you know, it's good to, to also be confident in the skills you have. It's not just, yeah. oh, I don't know, I'm not, you know, I'm a good artist, but I'm maybe not, you know, you need to be confident at that point to be like, yes, I can do this. 
That's a very good point. That's a very good point because there must be a balance between respect for the other work and respect for your own work and confidence. Exactly. It cannot exactly. be only one-sided. I think it's no. important to strike that balance. And um, last question on this. When you restore, it cannot be that you don't leave a little bit of you in that painting, can it? Well, obviously, it's like I, I, I don't think you can escape that completely. You know, you are leaving your own mark. But then really making sure that you don't overdo it. Um, it's, you know, I, it's not like I want people to, to say and think, oh, this is a restored and I can see exactly where it was done. I wanted to blend, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, my, my choice of colors might be slightly different to the pigments the original artist used, right? You can research that. I mean, I've always been able to get exactly what I wanted. So I'm really grateful for that. Very nice. Very nice. Thank <laughs> you for really shedding light on this world, because to me, it's so, so interesting and uh, very cool that you're also doing that. It's a very big palette of things that you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's versatile. <laughs> it's versatile. Definitely. Definitely. It's a good word. And this brings me actually to the next area of um, sure. activities that you're busy with, which yeah. uh, now that I hear you talk about what you've been doing in the past, seems like you've had this for a while, and that being teaching art. Did you always want to teach? And is, is this something that you see as mentorship towards the next generation of artists? I, I definitely did not want to teach when I was younger um I was like I'm just gonna be this artist and like I'm just gonna like do my own thing and I'm not you know I don't have to worry about other people um but there's a history of teaching in my family <laughs> there's All like right. lots of teachers <laughs> and um I'm really good at it I think it's it's kind of as if it's just innate in me and I love it now maybe I'm just older and willing to 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 face you know my the things that I'm good at uh, to a certain extent without my idealistic I'm just going to be an artist and that's it. Um, but teaching gives you so much as an artist as well. It's not like oh now I'm taking away from myself by teaching. It's like I come up with ideas and learn new skills for another person. I'm having to project my ego onto somebody else and be like how are they going to see this and how does this explain exactly what they need to do if I if I tell them this or is there a better way of of showing them how to do this and then I find then I'll go research and then I find another way and it's like oh wow that's so cool I can show them this and I can apply it to my own art mm -hmm. so I, um, I think I said it in the last class it's quite a selfish act at this point because I get so much out of teaching. <laughs> That's a super cool thing to say. And what I wanted to ask you too is, do you also, I wouldn't say learn something from your students, but see something that perhaps happened by accident and think to yourself, hmm, this is cool. I can apply this Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, there's a, a website called The Jealous Curator. And it's this idea that, and I use this as a measure. Like if I see somebody doing something and I'm like, oh, wow, why didn't I think of that? Or that's so cool. Like how, like I'm, I'm jealous of this. Then I know it's good. It's like, yes, that, that's, so if once I get jealous of my students, I'm like, yes, I'm doing the right thing. <laughs> um, it's a very so cool I, way to put it. I think it's like great that they then, that I also learned from them. So art space is an institution. It's uh, a space 
where people yes. can come <laughs> and they can learn more about art by practicing it, correct? Yes. And it's there's two aspects to art space. There's the workshops we have where people just come to have more fun and we have templates for you to copy art. And then we have the courses. People that just want to come and have fun, mm-hmm. it's super important for people to, to just relax and do something with their hands creatively. Then if you are from that point, then want to grow as an artist and develop more skills, then you can move on to doing courses. Mm-hmm. I love I love it when I get people from this more fun aspect and get them to come and do like grow because I studied art I I think I am the more like a little bit more academic in terms of like I want you to grow I want you to learn how to pres- how to look and um, draw and then paint um, and then um, we're working on a new uh, course about concept as well. And I think that's such a great, like, it's, it's going to make a full-rounded artist out of um, of people that that probably need to go to university to get these yeah. a lot of these um, this knowledge. And but be, being able to give it to people like the everyday people that aren't necessarily that are doing this as a hobby, not they don't want to go to university specifically but it's such great information and it's so it grows you in other aspects of your life as well mm-hmm. it's problem solving you know so if you just want to come and have fun do that that's a great place to be and I have people that come every week or every second week um, and they do it over and over again or if you want to then grow from there and come and do the art I think both are great avenues within our space we ask our guests about uh, what they see coming up in the industry that they work in. And I yeah. think this is very hard with art because it has always existed and it will always exist. But can yeah. you maybe talk a little bit about uh, what trends you see coming up in art? Uh, also in terms of technology. And soon I'm going to come to the question from my co-host. AI, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I had that one before. Um, yes. So I really think that especially the climate we're in at the moment, people really do. This is one reason I'm, I really love human connection as the basis for my, my concept is that I think people really need it. Uh, it's, it's people love that topic and will always be relevant. Uh, and I, I think there there's like this highbrow art that might feel a little bit more disconnected from the normal people. And then there's a, a bridge between that and what people want at the moment. And we've been in a postmodern society for, or, or in terms of art for a long time. And we're starting to break free from that um, at the moment, um, it's not a complete contradiction. We still have similar con- we, ways of dealing with concept, but we we want it to be relatable a little bit more. And I I've really seen that in in the types of art that well, what I love to look at, and I I see on the the websites and the things that I go look for art. Um, that there is a humanity that's coming back um, 
of course there there's going to be this hot, the super conceptual a little bit more esoteric work that will continue and I'm I don't think it's necessarily a a wrong thing but in terms of work that I connect with and I think I feel other people also connect with it's going to be the things that are slightly more relatable can you maybe and give an example I so maybe this is a good example of of my journey in terms of art concept and theory. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started studying art, we were uh, told about Damien Hirst. I don't know if you know who that is. He used to like place cows and sharks in formaldehyde and that would be the artwork, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's a little bit grotesque. It's um, highly conceptual not really there's not much of the artist mark in the work but it was given to me as the ultimate it's like this is conceptual art this is what you should strive for and and as a painter and a drawer it was like okay but how do I get into that and I don't I I, I had this instinct to be like but I don't think that's the only thing that art has to be um I'm sure it has its place but that's not what I want to make. <laughs> and uh, I was also told, like, don't do anything too pretty. Like, and, and I still agree to this to some degree. Like, it shouldn't be too sweet. I, I like to have some balance in my artwork. It's not just like, oh, so pretty and beautiful and oh, cute. I, I don't want cute art. But Damien Hirst now is creating multiple of these super colorful, super beautiful uh, florals <laughs> it's oh, like wow. huge pieces of just flowers like fields of flowers and uh, I kind of like rebelled against my my schooling and be like no this is not the only way to do art <laughs> and then their biggest like proponent the person they were like this is the ultimate be like Damien Hurst and don't do pretty uh, things is like gone the exact opposite direction is just like oh it's just like go go look it up it's just incredibly joyful beautiful work mm -hmm. and cool. I think yeah I, I think um um art has in the last um uh century has kind of moved away from from beauty and now but that can only happen for so long people need beauty um we need it Mm -hmm. And now it's starting to pivot back. Very interesting. Uh, Very interesting. I think that that's like that's when I'm like, yes, I'm so happy about this. Um, yeah, and he, he he in his in his totality of his work, he has the balance of having made these like very grotesque things, and now he's doing the flowers. And for me, I I like to kind of embody a little bit of both in mm -hmm. my artwork if I can. I don't know if it always shows up. But I don't want to 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 be utopian. It's not all we're not, we're not in a perfect world. I mean, we were pretty conscious of that in this moment, aren't we? Yeah. But um, not to give hope. That is the the main thing. To not just have like all doom and gloom. Like there is, we we need to provide hope for people. And art, being um, the instrument that it is, should show reality but then also provide hope that's what I believe and I think that is usually the most successful art
that's very nice. It's really nicely put. <laughs> very nice. And this leads me, speaking of connection and uh, or sometimes lack thereof, uh, to the question that I have from Haig for you. Sure. And uh, as you already guessed, it is related to AI. And <laughs> what he's wondering uh, is, would you see AI and how it's coming into art now mm. as the artist or more as the canvas and the brushes? I think throughout history, there's been tools that people have been scared of, right? Um, so I would, if I'm going to ever use AI, I would like to be in control of it as much as possible and not just let it run its thing and then I just like print out what, what happened. Um, if there is ways to manipulate it and really, but it's kind of like you have to maybe approach it as a person, like from the things that I've listen to about AI, you can kind of like manipulate the answers mm -hmm. sometimes. And yeah. maybe that could be the artist mark in the AI, like really steering it to a very specific um, result that you want. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, it would be better if, if, if you really get skilled at doing that, if you're using AI. Otherwise, like sure, it's producing interesting images, but I think we're going to still eventually want to go back to knowing that somebody created it. I think that's going to be the value. It's like, oh, that was just AI. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's like, oh, but somebody made choices from their own mind mm -hmm. <laughs> to do this. And I think hopefully maybe that brings more value to yeah. an artist doing, doing nice. the things they do. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't want to completely discredit it, but I also am a little bit weary of just like I see people like, oh, I, I just said something and now like all these it spewed out all these images. I think that's not art. That's not responsible art um, in terms of having made curated choices for the yeah. end results. Mm -hmm. Responsible art is a cool term to use. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. And since we're in the topic of uh, current events, so something that we talked about yeah. before and that uh, I am really against, and I just want to get your opinion of, yeah. uh, I'm sure you saw what happened uh, in the Louvre with Mona Lisa the other day, where they yeah. uh, spoke sprayed soup or something like that and thankfully there was a shield glass but there has been instances when this whole started where there wasn't yeah would you mm. uh make of that i don't think that's the right platform to protest like if you're like what were they protesting exactly like um, climate, climate change right yeah. Yeah. usually what they're doing like i don't think artists say like artists usually help provide transformation and they probably if you're coming from a very conceptual background uh background you might say oh they're they're very active it is an artwork but i don't know like attacking other artists i just i feel like that's a very um not a not a not a, a responsible way of doing it it's, it's yeah. just attacking other arts like yeah and how is that going to change change the climate <laughs> exactly and if this is first of all that and if this is the tool that you use uh yeah. and you decide that this is the best way 
it makes me care about your cause less than exactly because I just get angry and like yeah I'm like I don't want to even look at this yeah exactly you know I'm like protect the arts <laughs> yeah I mean also I, I'm not I'm on I have a bias sure <laughs> but um I really don't think any that that is has ever really made things better by attacking you know I, I have uh recently listened to a podcast about how like the first uh when it's first started when people started attacking pieces of artwork and it was like for the feminist movement and sure maybe women were very objectified so maybe I feel like that's more related to the art so I could understand it better but then climate and that I just don't think it like I say it's not the right platform Yeah. Mm. to Is that protest like the right that pl platform and to try to make something positive by destruction and using such exactly negative tools but is so it's counterintuitive? but that's so part of postmodernism at its in its pure form is to deconstruct and break down and that's where there's a new thinking of like well let's re we can't just keep on breaking things down and think that's culture and art we have to at some point start building something positive um back when i was studying i found uh an article called uh, notes on meta modernism which talks about moving away from postmodernism into something that has a little bit more hope and how um, these two, two cultural theorists were seeing this happen um, here in Europe, um, even through an underground, even if it's not the highbrow people were just starting to kind of like, and artists were starting to produce more things that show at least a little bit of hope. And art, I think, should set the pulse. It should show hope. Otherwise, like, what we, we we're just all going to win we should just sit in depression the rest of our lives Mm no where art should be helpful in some way and uh showing some positivity yes care for the environment that's great but throwing soup cans you now you've just made like empty soup cans -hmm. <laughs> like exactly. what can Yeah, you recycle exactly. i mean you know what i mean it's like i really <laughs> yeah. It's don't true. see the point It's true. <laughs> Exactly. I agree. I'm glad you agree with that. <laughs> and since we're moving towards the end of our episode today, uh, there are some questions that I always ask our guests. Are there maybe some myths that you want to debunk about being an artist, some prejudice that people approach you with? Well, I, I think like, like I mentioned, the people that come and like, oh, I can't draw. Like, like, it's a mission for me to make people understand if they really want to, they can. Yeah. And uh, I think it's so freeing to know that it's not this, oh, I was born with, it's not, it's not a gene that's like, you, you have or you don't have, you can So it's not learn just to talent. draw. It's not No, it's not just talent. Sure. Some people learn to read quickly, you know, at three and they're reading. And, but that doesn't mean the person that learns to read at, start reading at six doesn't learn to read, right? Yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. <laughs> so I think that's important. Um, I think also maybe the fact that, you know, there's, there's all these other problems that come with creating, like, how are you going to market yourself? How are you going to put yourself out there? Um, imposter syndrome, you know, people, you know, even me, but I have learned to deal with it to a certain extent and be like, no, I know I'm good, you know, but, um, uh, and 
an artist that um, produces a lot of work and that is out there and you see a lot of, they've created a lot of work that you don't see that's gone to the trash. And I've heard artists say, create for the trash because that creative process of just doing it every day um, grows you. Mm. And maybe you also learn what you don't want to do or what you don't want to put out there. But don't think like every artwork has to be this perfection, this masterpiece. If you're only creating for that, then you're never going to create anything because it has to be perfect and that's not possible. It's a very good point. It's a very good point. And another thing I would like to know is what are some core values that you uh, have had throughout your career that kept you sort of, you know, in line in terms of your own beliefs? Because I think with art and with any profession, you can derail because of marketing yourself because of what you have to do, etc. I think it's such a fine line because you don't want to be a sellout, right? Um, I think it is that I do want to show something true. I just don't I don't want to just create an image that sells. I want to create something that is somehow true to reality, to even if it's not exactly true what I'm showing you, it somehow has truth in it in terms of the story of reality and what is it when you have uh, elements of the hero or the the anti-hero and the um, archetypes? Archetypes, that's the word I'm looking for. So I think um, if you are true to reality and you realize that, that things work together and usually follow a pattern, I think that keeps my art together in a certain sense like there is and I do believe there is a truth and I do believe there is a, a non-truth so that um it's not like I'm directly addressing it in my artwork but I think because people can look at the images and recognize something in the people I think that says it to a certain extent mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm I'm not about shouting that I'm more about showing it um if I'm about I think that that shows in my work. <laughs> very nice. That sounds very nice. And yeah. tell me, what's next for you? So at the moment, I'm busy creating huge paintings uh, for a body of work that I that I'm going to then write a little synopsis in terms of concept about, and then send out to some galleries. Um, um, I've been here a year now. I have um, art space, and I've really made sure I got I've. Uh, developed my teaching material and now I need to develop my own thing very nice so you're going to have to come back and tell us more about this yeah I'd love to (laughs) that's very nice thank you so much for being a guest in open mic life thank you so much thanks for having me it was great it was my pleasure and I'll see you tomorrow great (laughs) see you tomorrow thank you for tuning in see you next week on open mic life 